0: You are listening to the Finance Professor Podcast brought to you by financeprofessor.org. Welcome back to the Finance Professor Podcast. I'm Linus Wilson. So I have another uh, paper about uh, COVID. Uh, So this time we're looking at the IFR implied by the antibody or serology study in New York. You can get a copy of my paper at linuswilson.com or uh, the financeprofessor.org under the research page, I'll try to put a special link for the New York City IFR study. Entitled SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 Infection Fatality Rate IFR Implied by the Serology Antibody Testing in New York City. And crunching the numbers and finding out how that applies to the Death rates given infection or the infection fatality rates for men and women and different age groups using the New York City data. And then I also survey the seroprevalence studies, so these antibody studies, uh, which have been popping up of late, uh, which are sampling different locations. And in general, I find that the infection fatality rate on average for these studies is about 04 and that the numbers of confirmed cases, those numbers that you see ticking up on the nightly news and on the cable news shows, those numbers are understated by a factor of 25 to 1. That is, when the U.S. hit the 1 million mark of uh, confirmed COVID cases by the nasal swab tests, the antibody tests, which are typically prick tests that look at to see if somebody has had the virus versus uh, is currently infected with the virus. Uh, So those nasal swab tests are understating the actual numbers of cases on average by 25 to 1. And that varies uh, by about 8 to 1 in Gangland, Germany. So Germany is famous for having a lot of COVID testing. And uh, it's the highest ratio is the santa clara county that's the stanford study of 68 to one under counting of actual COVID cases so that would indicate that the u.s probably has about eight percent uh infection eight percent of the u.s has probably been infected if you just look at the average of these seroprevalence studies in the in europe and the united states to, it's a real failure of leadership, you think, from the CDC, uh, from the White House, uh, from uh, the National Institutes of Health and Infectious Diseases, a, a.k.a. the man played by, uh, on Saturday Night Live, Dr. Fauci. It's a failure of Dr. Fauci that he has not com- convinced the federal government to uh Commission more of these sero-prevalence studies so we have an idea of the spread in the united states because we know that these swab tests for people that are displaying symptoms uh, are missing the asymptomatic and uh, in many locations are severely rationed so there was a point i think at which in new york city uh the swab tests uh, were getting 60 percent positive rates whereas you know A lot of other locations were getting less than 5% positive rates for these swab tests. So these are people that are currently infected for the swab tests, and that's what's being reported in the news. But these are really false statistics, and they scare people to death because they see these really low uh, case numbers and really high fatality numbers, and they interpret from the case fatality rate that this is a really deadly disease, but that's the wrong interpretation. The interpretation you should have is that a lot of people are not getting tested, and so the case fatality rates are grossly overstated. So the the rate that I find for the United States is about uh, 0. 0.87, I think, percent, or about 0.9 percent. That's That's in line with the scary imperial numbers, but I believe that most individuals who are not uh, versed in the literature that your common man is looking at those case fatality rates, which uh, vary widely from, you know, 2% to almost 10% due to gross, gross under diagnosis of, of uh, uh, the prevalence of COVID-19, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 Virus because the the testing is is so limited and it's it there are real capacity constraints uh, especially for the swab test that I don't think the U S is ever going to overcome so I uh, I think the 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 I've been following this uh, economist uh, Doctor Romer I think from NYU right I guess he got a Nobel Prize at one point I I think I remember his growth literature way back when uh but he's saying that we could ramp up testing by a hundred times uh something that cnn ran him on and then ran bill gates right after it and bill gates said he was kind of loopy uh and I, i think that's a loopy idea too because uh but it is a loopy idea that has been promulgated in the media that we can somehow have these swab tests or these rna or pcr tests of people infected and have them go up by a hundred times it's not going to happen right you know we all wish there would be a leprechaun and a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but that's not going to happen in our lifetime uh but one thing that the government can do is they can uh, commission antibody tests which are very similar to political polls where you uh, you take a sample of the population and in in many cases this is is a much less tricky thing than political polling in the sense that uh, with political polling you don't have uh, the problem of uh, you know, you, don't, you, you don't, don't know if you're a political scientist doing a political poll or if you're a pollster, you don't know exactly who's going to show up to vote, right? You have an idea of the demographics of people that will show up to vote, but that changes from election to election, whereas the population demographics are much more stable. It's easier to predict. The one problem, though, uh, with these seroprevalence studies is the false positive uh, ratio. Right, so uh, to the extent that they don't have enough specificity in the test, or the specificity is not uh, believable, or is not known, right, uh, that you know if it's not ninety nine point nine percent, then they're going to have a significant false positive rate, and this false positive rate will be worse for locations uh, such as Santa Clara County or Los Angeles County, uh, where they come up with really low numbers of people infected, right? So uh, California was the first state to do a a lockdown. Uh, So I think uh, places like New York City, where we the study that you're gonna get to hear, my study, uh, is an ideal place because it has a very high percent. And so false positives, even if you have a specificity that's pretty bad, like 97%, That's not going to make a significant difference. You know, it's not going to be, it's not going to double or triple. It may change it by 10 or 20%, but it's not going to change it, change your estimates of the population that is infected, right? Uh, So I think the New York study uh, found that 21% of New York City residents were infected and they. Their update of the study showed that about 25% uh, were infected, and they're updating that continually. Uh, but the, uh, in my previous paper that I read on this podcast, I said to you there were really three things that these, these models and their humps and their curves and their flattening of the curve diagram really depend on, right? They depend on the R-naught, the replication rate, which is a function of the herd mental or the herd uh, immunity that the population has, right? So R-naught is gonna decline as the population has more herd immunity. So New York City, for instance, has quite a bit of herd immunity if they're at 25%, uh, based on uh, data from last week. Uh, So, uh, whereas, California, based on the data we have, it's maybe 30%. They had the earliest lockdown. r not is believed to be a function of the social distancing measures or to the extent that you can do contract trace, contact tracing. I am very skeptical about contact tracing in the United States, not just on the um, the privacy grounds and maybe the violations of individual rights. But I'm also very uh, skeptical that it can be done given the scale of the infection. Uh, so I believe it probably could be done in small island nations. Uh, but I think if you're talking about the advanced Western democracies at this point, and so Western Europe and the United States, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but it also could potentially be done brought down by these uh, school closures and uh, massive unemployment. So right now we're at 30 million people filing for uh, new applications of unemployment. Those are depression levels, right? And so one estimate I cited in the paper had uh, unemployment going to 23%, which certainly has not been seen since the Great Depression, right? And but I think it's kind. I think that the big area now is like uh, besides the IFR. So, uh, so the IFR, the R not, um, those are the big inputs in the the um, epidemic models. And so, if the, I think that it, it's debatable how much. Uh, the R not is changed. I think you know. Of course, I think the governors are going to say one thing, right? Uh, that is that they've really changed the R not. Uh, but I think if you look just like at the those graphs that are circulating uh, on the FT, and I've seen blogs of this, you know, the idea is that i'm not so sure there's a lot of variation in the government response to covid right out there both on the state level and the worldwide level if we compare different nations that but we do see to seem to see that it's not going exponentially up uh after 40 50 days of a death right and because there is variation there, not everybody is doing a lockdown. Not everybody is doing a shelter in place and the shelter in places and lockdowns all differ in their features that we should be seeing if we're going to see a true explosion of this disease, right? An explosion of deaths beyond what we have seen, right? Instead of a flattening of deaths uh, nationwide, Uh, then we should see that Uh, in these these FT numbers that come out every day, right? Uh, And I've not seen that, and I suspect if you start uh, trying to test for how much these policies are decreasing or not, you may get an insignificant result, which means that the 30 million people unemployed right now is mostly for not. Now, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have unemployment, right? Uh, because of COVID, because I think some people would be more afraid to engage in economic activity, right? Some types of economic activities they are less likely to go on a cruise ship. They're less likely to go to the grocery store. But uh, the bans on economic activity have caused probably the bulk of the unemployment we have seen in the United States and elsewhere in the globe and the effects of this unemployment are probably gonna persist. That would be my guess, uh, but one thing, so I've been working on this paper because I said in my last paper uh, that, you know, there are three things that can get us out of this crisis, a measurement error in the r not right? So if Ferguson's result is wrong, and so in, uh, Ferguson et al's estimate is wrong, in in this case, the imperial scary estimate seems right for New York, but maybe wrong if you average the other serology studies. But those are all in very preliminary forms; most are, don't even have a working paper associated with them. Uh, but you know, uh, the Santa Clara County saying it's below 0.2 percent, which is two times the flu uh, IFR. Uh, and mine is saying it's it's closer to 0.9% for the whole population. But of course, that means for people 75 plus, um, men 75 plus, for example, it's over 9%. And for men and women over 75, it's 7%. So it is a substantial thing. Uh, so I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to read the paper and let you hear it. But that's just kind of my analysis of that uh i think the other good news that we've had is the remdesivir trial so I, the other thing i said was there was a pharmaceutical intervention or a vaccine right i'm very skeptical about a vaccine coming quickly just based on what i hear from experts i'm not an expert on vaccines by any sense uh but you know we've never had a cove or we've never had a coronavirus vaccine before Doesn't mean we can't have one now, Uh, but we haven't had one before, and we do have several coronaviruses that have been going around for a long time. Uh, But but we do have a potential pharmaceutical intervention that may work this remdesivir. Uh, It's weakly significant to reduce lives or reduce deaths by 30%, and it's strongly significant to reduce uh, the days in the hospital by 30%. Uh, so uh, that's gonna be probably used more widely. The other thing that showed some promise and not very well done studies has turned out, at least based on the first uh, blind study to not do so well. So the, the double blind uh, VA study said that uh, hydrochloroquine and z-pack i think was a, for that one uh actually seemed to kill more people but i don't know if that was significant so that's not going to get a lot of that's not going to get a lot of traction uh going forward and so who knows maybe the widespread use of that Actually, increase the death rate in New York City because the hydrochloroquine was used uh, in in New York City. But even a 30% reduction in the uh, infection fatality rate could make a huge difference about what is the optimal policy. That being said, I don't think that any of the governments have done any serious cost benefit analysis of this. When they started these policies uh they may do some revisionist cost benefit analysis in the intervening months but i don't think they did it in advance uh and certainly none of those uh those flattening the curve models that they they were relying on had the any sort of cost benefit so like one of the costs is Uh, My wife uh, is a pediatric endocrinologist, right? She's seen a huge fall in the number of patients willing to visit her office. She's been doing, she does, she offers video visits and has been doing in-person visits because she's an essential worker uh, ever since the the uh, shutdown here in Louisiana. Uh, But her practice, which is always full, has like a nine-month wait list. People are just canceling right and left uh, because they are so scared of COVID, and I think that the, the the findings of the studies that say that cancer spiked during the Great Depre- or during the Great Recession of two thousand eight two thousand ten I think that's going to come true in the COVID depression. Uh, because people are scared to go to their doctor or they don't have health insurance in the United States, right? So you lose your job, you typically not going to have health insurance and that has a and, and you also don't have money for copays, right? So the Europeans, uh, maybe the Canadians probably don't have copays like we do in in the US and that makes a, a big difference for the people on the lower end of the income spectrum. So So the cost of the shutdowns is not just going to be in unemployment and economic costs, but it will also be in lives in terms of suicides which which spike with unemployment and missed cancer screenings and increased cancer deaths. Um, So we'll get to hear about those in the paper. You can get a copy of my paper at linuswilson.com or uh, thefinanceprofessor.com. Org uh, under the research page, I'll try to put a special link for the I- New York City IFR study. Entitled SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 Infection Fatality Rate IFR Implied by the Serology Antibody Testing in New York City. <laughs> SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 infection fatality rate IFR implied by serology antibody testing in New York City by Linus Wilson, associate professor of finance, University of Louisiana Lafayette. The views expressed are of the author alone. Abstract. The SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 infection fatality rate has been hard to accurately estimate. It is a key parameter for disease modeling and policy decisions. Asymptomatic spread and limited testing have understated infections in hard-to-predict ways across jurisdictions. We survey serology antibody antibody studies of the COVID-19 infection to find official cases are understated by an average of 25 to one. Further, we analyze the deaths and infections in New York City to estimate an overall IFR for the United States of 0.863%. Section one, introduction. The infection fatality rate of COVID-19 is one of the most important measures for policymakers considering their response to the pandemic. The IFR is the ratio of COVID-19 deaths to total infections. Based on data from New York City adjusted for the demographics of the U.S. population, we find that the infection fatality rate is 0.86%. For males and females in the U.S., we estimate the IFR is 0.98 and 0.74% respectively. The COVID IFR for men over 75 is estimated as high as 9.1%. Wilson indicates that the value of statistical lives lost from an unconstrained spread of COVID-19 is only 37% of U.S. gross domestic product if the IFR of the virus is 0.4% and up to 276% of GDP if the IFR of the virus is 1.4%. VSL is a policy tool for policymakers to weigh the costs and benefits of a life-saving policy action based on the wages workers demand to take on higher risks, according to Aldi and Viscusi. According to Cox 2020, unemployment in the U.S. may top 23 percent, levels not last seen since the Great Depression. This massive job loss is in large part due to government policy interventions meant to stem the spread of the virus. Mervash et al. found by April 2020, 95% of the U.S. population was confined under stay-at-home orders that shut down many non-essential businesses that could not operate remotely. Infections are probably grossly undercounted in the official case counts, This paper finds from a survey of antibody studies that total infections are on average undercounted by a ratio of 25 to 1. Nevertheless, the range of undercounting of actual to official cases ranges widely from 8 to 1 to 68 to 1 in the serology studies surveyed. Official cases may be undercounted due to testing shortages or asymptomatic spread asymptomatic spread was estimated to be over 50% in Sudden et al. 2020 and Gudjartsen et al. 2020. Thus, case fatality rates can grossly overestimate infection fatality rates due to underdiagnosis of the SARS-CoV-2 infection. Almasi et al. 2020 found that on April 28, 2020, the U.S. passed 1 million nasal swab RNA-confirmed infections. Nevertheless, this paper's review of COVID-19 antibody sample studies across the U.S. and in Europe indicate that the real number of infections on April 28, 2020 in the U.S. was probably closer to 25 million, or about 7.6% of the United States population. We believe that the New York City data is some of the best to measure IFR. This is because New York City has a high infection rate and also takes steps to avoid undercounting COVID deaths. Serology or antibody studies such as Bendavid et al. may be vulnerable to bias towards false positives if the population sampled is not highly infected. Bendavid et al., which surveyed Santa Clara County, California, found an approximately 3% infection rate on April 3rd and 4th, 2020. Bendavid et al. is much more prone to overstate infection rates than New York City, with an estimated infection rate of 21% on April 22nd, 2020. Moreover, Katz et al. finds that New York City had the lowest percent of unaccounted-for excess deaths of the eight locations surveyed. That is in part because COVID-19 deaths in New York City are not limited to people who died with positive nasal swab test for the virus. The New York, New York City also includes presumed COVID deaths in its official counts. Thus, we believe the IFR calculation here should have a greater applicability than the ones obtained from other seroprevalence studies. The Infection Fatality Rate for New York City and the United States. In this section, we will use the summary results from CNBC 2020A of the New York State Serology Study on April 22, 2020, with the COVID-19 fatality data of New York City Health 2020 to derive the overall and age and gender-specific infection fatality rates for New York City and the United States. To do that, we will use the population projections from New York City 2013 and the 2010 U.S. Census from Howden and Meyer. On April 22, 2020, there were 10,290 novel coronavirus deaths confirmed in NYC Health 2020. NYC Health gives COVID-19 confirmed deaths in five age categories, 0 to 17, 18 to 44, 45 to 64, 65 to 74 and 75 plus. There were two deaths of unknown age, which were assigned to the other age categories by age bracket, population weights of all persons, males and females, respectively, from New York City, 2013. NYC Health 2020 only breaks down the 10,290 confirmed SARS-CoV-2 deaths by age and sex. March 2020 says the city reported 5,121 presumed COVID-19 deaths that were not confirmed by nasal swab test. The deaths by age were multiplied by the ratio of the total confirmed and suspected COVID-19 deaths: 15,411 persons over confirmed deaths: 10,290 persons. Cats at all 2020 uses a Centers of Disease control CDC National Vital Statistics System, NVSS, data to estimate the excess deaths in six states, New York City and New York State, excluding New York City, between March 8, 2020 and April 11, 2020. In the seven states, not including New York City, the gap excess deaths, less COVID-19 confirmed deaths, are on average 101% of confirmed COVID-19 deaths, with a median of 112% of COVID-19 deaths. In contrast, in New York City, where confirmed and presumed COVID-19 deaths are counted, the gap is only 16% of confirmed and presumed deaths. For this reason, we believe counting confirmed and presumed COVID-19 deaths is a more accurate measure. This also makes the case for calculating IFR from the New York City data. In New York City, presumed deaths are counted, and this will avoid underestimation of IFR. One could make the case that our IFR should be 16 percent higher based off on Katz et al. 2020's excess deaths calculation. Nevertheless, we feel some surge in non-COVID-19 deaths is likely. There may be other deaths caused by the shutdown, medical procedure bans, economic distress and depression, and the fear of seeing one's doctor. If people skip cancer screening or treatment and stent procedures for clogged arteries or commit suicide in higher rates, that could add to the excess death tolls without reflecting the lethality of SARS-CoV-2. See Maruth Apu et al. 2017, Garcia et al. 2020, and Reeves et al. 2012, about cancer deaths in the Great Recession, the fall and stent procedures during March 2020, and suicides and unemployment, respectively. CNBC 2020A estimates from the serology study that 21.2% of New York City residents were infected, Total infected persons was calculated as 1,812,806 based on multiplying the infection rate of 21.2% with the 2020 New York City population projection of 8,550,972 from New York City 2013. That is how column 1 of table 1 was derived. Okay, so I'm going to discuss table one, table one COVID-19 infection fatality rates in New York City by age category and gender. IFR stands for infection fatality rate. This is based on the infection rates and confirmed and presumed novel coronavirus cases by April 22, 2020 in New York City. Uh, So we got the age ranges, the five age ranges. Uh, We have the IFR Are for both males and females that's uh, 0.002 percent for minors and it's 7.14 percent for people over 75 so you pretty much have zero chance of dying from the illness uh, if you're a a minor Uh, but if you are uh, over 75 you got a seven percent overall chance Uh, and that that Translates also to males and females. For males, it's a 9.1% chance of dying if you get the infection and you're over 75. For females over 75, it's a 5.5% chance of dying. Males 45 to 64 have about a 1 percent, 1.1% chance of dying, and females uh, 45 to 64 have a 0.63% chance of dying. And the chance of dying, given you have the infection of COVID-19, if you're 65 to 74, is between 2 and 3%, depending on whether you're a male or a female. Uh, but people under, uh, under 44, 18 to 44, have closer to a 0.1% chance of dying, or one in a thousand if they are infected. Someone in the 70 70- Five plus age bracket has a 7.2% chance of death if he or she is infected with COVID-19. The chance declines for persons in younger age brackets. Let IFRT be the population IFR for the age bracket T, where T equals 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, which maps to the zero- to 17, 18 to 44, 45 to 64, 65 to 74, and 75 plus age brackets, respectively. Further, WT is the percent of the New York City population in that bracket given by column one in table two. And then equation one, IFR equals 0.85%, which is equal to the summation of T equals one to five with the WT and IFRT. The overall IFR for the city can also be found by dividing confirmed and presumed deaths by the infected population, which is uh, 15,411 deaths divided by 1,812,806 persons. All right, and let's take a look at Table 2. So table two is the ages and genders of the 2020 New York City population and the 2010 U.S. population and the infection fatality rates of those groups. So uh, we've got six columns here in addition to the age range column, and it shows that the overall IFR for the New York City population is 85 But the overall IFR for the U.S. population is 8.6. This is because of the demographics of the U.S. We have slightly more. The U.S. has slightly more people over 75, uh, although less people in 65 to 74 bracket. uh, And the U.S. population has more people in the 45 to 64 bracket uh, versus New York City. But the U.S. also has more people, slightly more people, or 3% 3% more people in the minor bracket, so there are fewer kids in New York City, uh, but more people in the, the 18 to 44 bracket in New York City. So this translates into an overall IFR for males in the United States of 9.8%, 0.98% and 0.74% for females for the U.S., IFR stands for infection fatality rate. Population weights for New York City are from the 2020 projections in New York City 2013. U.S. population weights are from the 2010 U.S. Census in Howden and Meyer 2011. Based on its population age distribution, we should expect a higher IFR for the United States than New York City. New York City Health does break out deaths by having One or more additional risk factors. We do not make IFR estimates of comorbidities because there are no good estimates of the subset of the population that have one or multiple comorbidities listed in NYC Health 2020. Those underlying conditions are diabetes, lung disease, cancer, immunodeficiency, heart disease, hypertension, asthma, kidney disease, GI, liver disease, and obesity. It is simple enough to estimate the percent of Americans who has one of those conditions by age and gender. Unfortunately, the joint distribution of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, or 10 pre-existing conditions is not available. We do know that these health issues are very common. National Center for Health Statistics 2017, page 221, said in 2013-2014 that 31% of U.S. adults over 20 years old suffered from hypertension, and 38% were obese. Thus, it seems likely that a majority of adult Americans had one or more of those 10 risk factors. Persons with no underlying conditions were only 0.59% of the SARS-CoV-2 confirmed deaths in New York City. The rest had known pre-existing conditions, 76.63%, or the city had not been able to determine whether or not the persons had pre-existing conditions, 26.77%. New York City Health 2020 does not break out deaths by both age and sex. It only breaks out deaths by age or sex. To estimate the infection fatality rates by sex, we assume that the sars cov 2 was distributed as was found in CNBC 2020B. The New York State serology study found on its April 22, 2020 test that 12% of women were COVID-19 positive and 15.9% of men were COVID-19 positive. The overall weight the overall weight of women and men in the New York State antibody study in CNBC 2020 B was 48% males and 52% females. This is very close to the 2020 breakdown of men and women in New York City 2013. The New York State serology study in CNBC 2020 B found that 13.9% of New Yorkers were COVID-19 positive. Thus, men made up QM equals 0.48.159 divided by 0.139 equals 54.9% of COVID-19 positives. The QF equals 1 minus QM equals 45.1%. We can only speculate on the discrepancy between men and women sampled. Perhaps women were more careful with hygiene advice or had less exposure in their jobs. We just don't know the reason for the difference. We will assign the infections to men and women based on the weights QM and QF respectively. Thus, 21.2 percent of the projected New York City population of 1,812,806 1,812,806 people are estimated to be infected. Of those, 0.549 times 1.8 million equals 995,348. That is our estimate of the males who were infected in New York City. In addition, 0.451 times 1.812 million equals 817,458. That is our estimate of total females in New York City who are infected. Dead persons without gender specified are allocated by the relative COVID-19 positive weights of males and females from CNBC 2020B of 45.1% and 40% 4.9% respectively. After that adjustment for the 15 gender not reported deaths, NYC Health says about 61% of confirmed COVID-19 dead by April 22, 2020 were males and 39% were females. Using the ratio of confirmed and presumed COVID-19 deaths over confirmed deaths, 15,411 divided by 10290 we extrapolate from that ratio that there are covid-19 deaths consisting of about 9419 males and 5992 females IFRG is the overall infection fatality rate by gender where g equals m or f for males IFRM equals point 946 percent equals 9,419 divided by nine thousand nine hundred and ninety five thousand three hundred forty eight. For females, the infection fatality rate based on the confirmed and presumed deaths is IFRF equal to 0.733 percent equal to 5,992 dead over 8, 117,458 women infected. Let W subscript TG equal the percent of the population in the age bracket T and the gender G. The age-based IFRs by gender and age are in equation two. IFR TG equals IFR G times IFR T divided by the sum from t equals 1 to 5 WTG IFRT. It is easy to verify that age and gender IFRs from equation 2 must sum to the following. IFRG equals the sum from t equals 1 to 5 of WTG times IFRTG. Equation 2 is used to calculate columns 2 and 3 of table 1 from the population weights in columns 2 and 3 of table 2. To calculate the overall male and female IFRs for the U.S. population, we use the IFRT and IFRTG for each age and gender grouping in Table 1, Columns 1, 2, and 3, and the weights of the overall male and female population by age given in Columns 4, 5, and 6 in Table 4, 5, and 6. Let us denote Those population. Weights from the 2010 U.S. Census and Howard and Meyer 2011 as UT for the age category weights for both male and female combined. UTG stands for the weights for males and females separately by age. Let IFR underline and IFRG underline denote the Combine male or female IFRs for the U.S. population respectively. They are calculated below IFRG equals the sum from T equals 1 to 5 of UTG IFRTG and IFR underscore equals T equals 1 to 5 UT IFRT. The overall IFR for the U.S. population is given in the last row of Table 2, Column 4 as 0.864% using Equation 5. The overall male and female IFRs for the U.S. population are estimated at 0.978% and 0.739% respectively using Equation 5. The overall estimate for the U.S. population is very close to the estimated IFR from Verity et al. 2020 of 0.9%, which lacks serology test data in its estimate. Since Verity et al. 2020 IFR was used in Wilson 2020 and Eichenbaum et al. 2020, then that should be in line with Wilson 2020's and Eichenbaum et al. 2020's expected scenarios. Nevertheless, the age-based IFRs do differ from Ferguson et al. 2020 and Wilson 2020 because the age categories are different. Further, Wilson 2020 based its age... And age and gender categories on the case fatality rate CFRs in Wuhan, China, from Feng et al. Thus, the age and age and sex-based IFRs here are preferable to both the former in Ferguson et al. 2020 and Wilson 2020 if someone is predicting the COVID-19 IFRs for the U.S. or other more developed nations' populations. The World Bank, for example, says the life expectancy at birth in the U.S. is two years higher than in China. Section 3, other COVID-19 serology studies samples and their implication for the IFR and the official case counts. The New York State's antibody test is not the only one that has been recently conducted, according to Kikatos 2020. Unfortunately, with the exception of Benevit et al. 2020, we were unable to obtain accompanying working papers with the many antibody tests listed in Table 3. While Benevit et al. 2020's Santa Clara County, California and the Los Angeles County, California studies have been the subject of much criticism on Twitter, according to Kikados. None of those studies have gone through peer review at the time of writing. Table three is compiled uh, from the data we could find from mostly news reports or summaries that we found in Benevita et al., Kikados, CNBC 2020A, New York Governor's Office 2020, Salzman 2020 Streak et al. and Van Dissel 2020. The studies that estimate a range or point estimate of the population or range that is in a, the low single digits may have a false positives problem. All the COVID-19 antibody tests available have specificities that may have not been decisively proven at the time of writing. One minus the specific. Specificity is the expected false positive rate. If the specificity of the serology test is 98%, it is reasonable to expect 2% of the positives are false positives. With a low virus spread, false negatives, 1 minus the sensitivity, should not be a big issue. Therefore, if the midpoint of the range of COVID-19 positives is 3%, then the spread of the infection may be overstated by a factor of 3 on average. True positives should be approximately 3% minus 2% equals 1%. Roughly 1% times 3% equals 3%. Nevertheless, if the virus spread is 20% and sensitivity and specificity are 100% and 98%, Respectively, then false positives should only be 0.8 times 1 minus equals 1.6%. Thus, the resulting estimated infection rate would be 21.6%, or just 108% of the true spread of the infection, 20%. For this reason, we should probably put greater weight on the serology studies of very infected populations. That would mean that estimates of IFR from New York State, New York City, Chelsea, Massachusetts, and Ganglick, Germany, which are likely to be less prone to an upward bias in the infected population and a downward bias in IFR estimates. All these locations have estimated double-digit COVID-19 infection rates. Indeed, for the highly infected locations like New York City, the test specificity and sensitivity may bias the results upward or downward. Nevertheless, those biases will be relatively small compared to less infected regions. Random population-weighted samples are more prone to false positives when people are tested regardless of symptoms because our Bayesian prior is that they probably are not infected. Thus, our posterior after a positive test result is far less than certain that they have, in fact, been infected. Our priors will be higher in hard-hit regions like Chelsea, Massachusetts, New York City, Ganglet, Germany, and New Orleans, Louisiana, where hospital beds have filled up and COVID-19 positive deaths have mounted. We hope a serology study will be conducted in New Orleans, Louisiana, but are aware of none at this time. We can debate the selection biases Inherent in different sampling methods, but it is hard to do so with preliminary results. Bendavid et al. 2020 used targeted Facebook ads and reweighted the results by demographics. They tested 3,330 Santa Clara County residents over two days. New York State and CNBC 2020A approached about 3,000 people in supermarkets and big box stores. The Chelsea, Massachusetts study approached about 200 people on a street corner as described in Saltzman 2020. Streak et al. describes 4,198 people giving blood samples over many days. For example, while presenting the New York State results in CNBC 2020, Governor Andrew Cuomo argued that people were shopping during the day and thus were likely not essential workers, with higher exposure to the virus, and they were probably not experiencing symptoms. Thus, the infection rate in New York City and New York State may be biased downward by the undersampling of essential workers. Thus, our IFR could be overstated by that possible selection bias. The average IFR of the studies is point three eight percent with an average multiple of confirmed cases to actual cases of 25 to one thus on average we would expect the official case counts to be only four percent of actual infections of SARS-CoV-2. Duster 2020 reported on early April 26, 2020 that the U.S. had 939 COVID-19 cases confirmed by swab test. Table 3 indicates that the real number of COVID-19 infections in the U.S. is likely 23.5 million, or about 7% of the U.S. population. Okay, I'm going to talk about Table 3, serology studies, infection rates, case undercounting, and infection fatality rates. So we have the location of the ser- serology samples. Uh, we've got Santa Clara County, California, Miami-Dade, Usuma, Finland, LA County, California, Chelsea, Mass, uh, Ganglet, Germany, New York, USA, Netherlands, New York City, New York, USA. Uh, so the average one uh, had 11% of the population infected and the median had 6% of the population infected. Uh, the multiple of estimated cases over official cases is ranged between 8 to 1 in Ganglet, Germany, and 68 to 1 in Santa Clara County, California. And these are all listed uh, in ascending order of IFR with Santa Clara the lowest at 0.16% and New York City at the highest at 0.85%, with an average of uh, 0.38% and a median of 0.31% so the new york city data seems to be an outlier uh on the high end now the caption says this is based on the reporting results of serology tests in Bedavid et al Kikatos 2020, CNBC 2020A, New York Governor's Office 2020, Saltzman 2020, Streak at All 2020, and Van Dizzle 2020. The New York City estimates are from this paper. The multiple of official cases are the estimated number of infections in the community tested divided by the official case counts reported by various sources. Local IFR is the infection fatality rates that the sources quoted or the official deaths divided by the estimated number of infected individuals. For New York City, we counted tests confirmed and presumed COVID-19 deaths. New York State and CNBC 2020A counted only confirmed SARS-CoV-2 deaths, the New York City IFR for confirmed only cases is its local IFR divided by 1.497 because presumed deaths from March 2020 were 49.7% of COVID-19 confirmed deaths from NYC Health 2020 in New York City. Section 4, the IFR and cost-benefit calculations of social distancing, a point- 4% 4% IFR is at the lower end of Wilson 2020's IFR range. If the average IFR in Table 3 of 0.38% is the true IFR, it is very possible to argue that the shutdown of the economy was not justified. Wilson 2020 does not consider lives lost from increased cancer deaths as Marathu Poo et al. 2017 and suicides as in Reeves et al. 2012 due to higher unemployment rates from stay at home orders. Reeves et al. said a 3.8% rise in unemployment led to 1,330 more suicides. Stay at home orders in the United States have led Cox 2020 to estimate unemployment will go as high as 23 percent from 3.5% before shutdowns of the economy can we expect eight 1,700 more suicides from social distancing measures. Maruthapu et al. 2017 estimated that there were 260,000 more cancer deaths due to the global financial crisis of 2008 to 2010 in the 75 countries studied, which had a total population of 2.1 billion. If the excess cancer deaths were proportional to the population, then the U.S. should have lost 38,000 people from that downturn. Can we expect social distancing measures to cost over 46,000 lives from increased cancer and suicide deaths alone? Thus, Wilson 2020's lower bound VSL estimate of 8 trillion may be too high. That is because Wilson 2020 does not consider lives lost from social distancing measures which could lead to thousands of more deaths from cancer and suicide. Section 5 conclusion: The COVID-19 pandemic has a lot of uncertainty about the ratio of deaths to total infections that confounds the calculation of how deadly the novel coronavirus really is. The serology sampling in the New York in New York City and elsewhere makes estimates of infections more reliable. We estimate that the infection fatality rate from serology studies in nine different sampling locations in the United States and Europe is on average 0.38%. We analyzed the data from New York City in depth to estimate that the IFR for all ages and genders in New York City was 0.85%. New York City is pre- is a preferable location to estimate IFR because it has one of the highest infection rates in the world. Thus, random sampling is less prone to an upward bias and false positives. In addition, New York City's official counts are less likely to understate deaths than in other locations in the United States. We find that the infection fatality rates from New York vary a great deal by age and gender. Females 0 to 17 years can expect infection fatality rates of 0.001%, while males of age 75 and over can expect infection fatality rates of 9.127%. Okay, so you can get that on my SSRN profile page or uh, at financeprofessor.org. Uh, or financeprofessor.net or linuswilson.com and go to the research tab. I'll try to create a special tab for the New York City serology study for you. And uh, I'm Linus Wilson.